Welcome to episode 35 of the Ask a Chief show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing ankle mobility, doctors who tell you to stop squatting, and how to train when you can't hire a coach. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 35. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a lot of um, just really nice comments and messages from people, uh, from followers and friends and stuff like that about yeah. uh, our recent pregnancy announcement. So yeah, it's just so wanted nice. to uh, take a second to thank you all for all of your positive messages. Yeah, we appreciate it. And, you know, the baby can hear all those things. Yeah, totally. Right? Just so. inceptioning <laughs> positive, pos- positivity and kindness positive to the baby. Positive vibes to our future baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, this has been a really fun week. We started a challenge and achieve. Um, we're doing yeah. a 28-day challenge uh, for April, the month of April, and we have just awesome people doing it. Like Everyone who's participating has been so positive and <laughs> like supportive of each other and Super cool. really happy to be there. And it just has been a great vibe in the gym and they're really bringing a lot to to achieve and we're excited to have them there. Yeah, shout out to there. There's a couple of uh, people that found us through Instagram, like Capturing Al, uh, yep. Matt, what was, his, what was his? Matt Reed, Matt Reed, yep. um, Maxine. Maxine, right? I think, did too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah a bunch, bunch of others. So, but yeah. It's Thank been really you all fun. for being awesome. Yeah. Thanks for being a good crew. We're proud <laughs> to have you. Um, we wanted to start with a little discussion kind of today that Jason and I were just having in the car a couple days ago. Um, yep. I was mentioning that I tend to get comments on either the Achieve page or on my own personal page um, from, I mean, well-intended comments um, from people saying things like, oh, I'm like, you're such a good, um, like, role model for women to be strong, showing that you don't necessarily get bulky. Um, And I find this really interesting. Like, that happens in a lot of different ways. Like, I love that you're so strong, but you don't look that strong. Or you're so strong, but your muscles aren't popping out. (laughs) Um, And I get those comments a lot. And I think it's really interesting. And I was actually just talking to Jason about, like, trying to figure out the best way to respond to these. Um, Because what I don't want to say is... Yeah, like if you strength train and you get strong, you'll look like me (laughs) because that's not the case. And really what happens is that, so what I've been saying is, well, it's really cool to see like that so many different body types can be strong and look completely different and that getting strong doesn't necessarily mean you're going to look a certain way, but it is cool that, yeah, I can be really strong and maybe it's deceiving. Maybe you wouldn't look at me and think like, wow, she's really strong. Um, until you see me do something cool or, or like, you know, squat a bunch of weight, but that doesn't mean that because I'm, that I look the way I do because I'm so strong. I look the way I do mostly because of genetics, mostly because of how I eat, mostly because of my like stress levels and how much I sleep and like so many different factors play into the way my body appears outwardly so much like so little of that is how strong I am because I've been stronger than this and looked very different I've been weaker than this and looked very different like it just uh, am I explaining this well yeah like it just it just doesn't because I am strong and thin doesn't mean that other people or, or maybe like perceived as a little bit thinner doesn't mean that other people will become thinner if they get stronger. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's so many other things that come into play. Like, I mean, you could just naturally have really broad shoulders. So like, that's not going to change or you could naturally have, um, just muscle bellies that are a little bit like, uh, more instead of looking longer and leaner, leaner, quote unquote, uh, they could just be 
slightly bigger, more compact. Yeah, like where are your muscles attached? So like your muscles have two attachment points, one where like at the top of the like joint or bone and one toward the bottom. And yep. so like your biceps attach at like near your shoulder and near your elbow. But if they attach a little bit closer together, that bicep is going to look more round. If yeah. they attach further apart, it's going to look longer. And so when people say things like long, lean muscles, that drives us crazy. Like, <laughs> oh, yoga will give you longer muscles. And you're like, no, your muscle attaches where it attaches. It's yeah. not going to change unless you go and surgically change it. Like you, I mean, one of your best friends, Andrea, she has a naturally more like, like rounder arms, right? She just has, biceps. She, her biceps are amazing. Like yeah. it just looks like she, and she does train a lot, but yeah. like she can easily get like, like her biceps look like she does. She must do a bunch of bicep curls. Like yeah. you would assume you'd be like, Oh, you must work on your biceps. Whereas you, yeah, I mean, you do pull-ups all day and then it's just like, it's just a longer, I have a longer muscle. arm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just nothing you can change about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, Oh, one of the things that I really like are um, the ESPN bodies issue. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's like all these incredible different athletes of different backgrounds, whether it's Olympic weightlifters or football players, soccer players. And it's like them, obviously without any clothes on, (laughs) but just like they're all just really fit and athletic and unique in their own rights. And yeah, their bodies just reflect that. And they look, but they all look so different. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also, I did a talk to some Girl Scouts, uh, about a month ago. And one of the topics I did discuss was, um, how different body types are all like how different fit people will have very different body types. And so I pulled up, um, Serena Williams. I pulled up Abby Wambach, Wambach. Mm -hmm. Um, I pulled up Sarah Robles, who's a a USA weightlifter. And I pulled up, uh, Bethany Hamilton, who is a, um, surfer, professional surfer. So Bethany Hamilton doesn't have, uh, her one arm. She's a, she got her arm got bit off in a shark attack. And then she still continued on to be a professional surfer. Um, she, you might not look at her and think, Oh, she's a professional athlete, right? But she is. And Sarah Robles is, um, she's in the heavyweight class of the Olympic weightlifting team, but she is an Olympian, one of the first Olympians, um, for USA weightlifting to get a medal in like many, many years. Um, you wouldn't look at her and say like, oh, she must be really fit. Um, if you're going by society standards. And so we're just trying to, and so I was showing all these girls, like these women are all extremely fit for the, and they're extremely like capable, capable, and they're able to do all the things that they want to do and their body, what their body looks like and how it appears is the perfect body because it enables them to do what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Right. So the perfect body is not what you see in a magazine. The perfect body is what you feel good in, what you can com- complete your tasks that you're trying to com- complete in. Um, and just trying to change that dialogue a little bit. So yeah, I, remember you, I mean, you were looking up pictures for that slideshow and you type something about female athletes and the first hit oh was like my God. 20 hottest female athletes or something. I was so pissed. It was <laughs> So I literally just typed in female athletes because I was like, I'm just going to find some of the top female athletes and show that they all have different body types. And the first Google search was 20 hottest female athletes of 2018. And I was like, I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, I didn't type in hottest female athletes. I typed in female athletes. Yeah. How is that possibly the first thing that comes up? I was so mad. Actually, I'm going to type in male athletes right now. I see what guarantee pops up. it's not 20 hottest male athletes. Oh, actually, no. <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, okay. So we're all being, uh, <laughs> that's 
really annoying. But <laughs> it's annoying on both ends. It's annoying That's for both. That's super funny. Um, All right, well, yeah. some... Well, I guess the men are being objectified just as much, so... <laughs> equality, right? Okay. We're working towards equal. I guess we're getting, yeah, more equal in the opposite direction <laughs> of where we're trying to go. Um, but, yeah, so to bring this back full circle to those comments that I was getting, it was just... Uh, it was interesting to me that... Um, that is something I think right now that's very prevalent still is people saying like, oh, don't be afraid of strength training because you won't get bulky um, or, you know, or the, on the flip side. Like do this workout to look like To me. look this way. Yeah. yeah. Like if I were putting out and I'm never when I'm putting out my own workouts, it's just because like, hey, here's what I did today. Not here. Here's what you could do to look like me. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I hope that never comes across that way because it. it I would never say that to anyone. Yeah. Um, I would never say that doing what I do will make you look like me because it won't. It will make you look like you and, yeah. <laughs> and the way that your body decides to respond to that stimulus and, and that exercise. So um, try when you when you're seeing other people out there who are doing amazing things, like definitely compliment them on those things that they're doing. But don't um, compare yourself or your body to them and think or think that when if you could do what they could do, you could look like them because it just isn't necessarily the case. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So that was just a little tangent that we wanted to go on. And not a rant, really, just a, a tangent. Just, just an to, observation. Yeah, just an observation. Exactly. Um, okay, so let's get into the actual questions. So the first one is going to be from Kay Smitty. And she said, hey, guys, love your show. You're doing a great job. Thank you. My question is regarding ankle mobility. I know I have very tight calf muscles from years of wearing high heels. My ankle range of motion is very poor, and I try to stretch as best I can. I can. I also avoid doing any isolated calf exercises. However, I would like to gain some size in my calves. Is it okay to do calf exercises, or will it hinder my ankle mobility progress? Thanks in advance. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a really good question, and... Um... Yeah, it's tough to really say, unfortunately, without understanding how this person moves. Um, what I would probably recommend, if the ankle ability is pretty severely limited, I would probably veer on the side of just focusing more on compound exercises and at, and having calves being worked as an indirect result of that. I do feel like if you do try to aim for a lot of calf volume work in terms of hypertrophy work, um, it would have a l limiting effect on your ankle mobility. Yeah, and also another point here is similar to what we were talking about in the beginning is that a lot of times people try for years to change what their calves look like, but it is where their muscle belly attaches yeah. that makes a different makes the shape of their calf like like. I'm the opposite of my arms are very long, but I, my calf muscles attach really short. So yeah. I look like I have like a really big calf. Yeah, I never true. do any calf work. Yeah. Right. Like it's just so sometimes calves can be like the most genetic muscle. I feel like in the body that like, yeah, it's very hard to change the, the shape of your calf um, and doing so in trying to do that. You may end up doing way too many like isolation exercises where, yeah, you might actually affect your ankle mm -hmm. mobility and not even really see the results that you're looking for. Um, so like, just like Jason said, I would recommend the same thing, doing more compound movements, um, squats and deadlifts and things where your whole body is working, lunging, but step ups, yeah, yeah, lunging step ups, step ups definitely get, they get the calves a lot. Yeah. Um, um, the other thing yeah. to note here is that ankle mobility can be restricted in a number of ways. Like it could just be purely your joint. And if your joint mobility is actually hindered and your calf has nothing to do with it or your Achilles has nothing to do with it then actually some isolation-based work is totally fine. 
if um, so, a quick way you can tell is actually, let's say you're standing directly up against the wall, get your foot close to the wall, and then glide your knee over your second and third toe and try to hit the wall with your knee. If that feels really easy, just scoot your foot back a little bit and then repeat the process. And now once you reach that max range of motion where your heel like really wants to pick up, note where you actually feel it. If you might feel it in your calf, uh, if you do, then it's more of a calf extensibility thing. If you don't feel it really anywhere, most likely it's a joint mobility thing. And in which case, then you can actually do some isolated calf work. Uh, but even then, we would still gravitate towards compound movements just because it's just going to have more of a stimulus um, on your lower body to grow anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then if you are doing any isolation calf work, just also foam roll them. Yeah. Um, or use a stick just to get some of the muscle tension out of there. So you want to, you can stimulate growth, but then also make sure that you're working on recovery as well so that you're not just getting uh, stiff. Yeah. Um, and it, if, if you are in the case where it is more of a joint mobility issue, it could be worthwhile to see a physical therapist or some, um, you know, a specialized fitness coach to um, get a check down and see if there are any strategies that you can use to uh, affect that joint mobility. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Question number two. This is from VR Gowali. Um, they asked, because of some hamstring issues, as explained by my physiotherapist, my knee keeps on causing, causing me pain. He has told me to stop squats and exercise of any such sort. Can you help me with that? I'm basically a cricket player, play as a fast bowler, and I have issues with my left knee. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot to this question. <laughs> um, one thing that is really difficult is when physical therapists or doctors basically tell someone not to do something that they're going to be doing in everyday life um, and tell them not to do anything like that pattern, which... Tell them not uh, to do anything like that ever again. Yeah. Right? <laughs> without offering any sort of solution or saying, hey, temporarily, let's stop squatting for a little bit because temporarily your knees hurt. Um, here's something else you can do instead. But just saying, don't squat or don't do anything of that sort is is just very, um, can be very damaging, especially mentally. Yeah. So number one, it makes you fear movement patterns. And yeah. then you would start to, I mean, you literally squat hundreds of times a day to pick things up, to sit on the toilet, to sit on a chair, <laughs> to sit on the couch, like to yeah. you have get to your squat. Car. You have to get down, you have to bend your knees and let your hips come down. And you do it a lot, especially if you have kids, you're definitely squatting a lot to mm. go grab them or whatever. Um, so to say to this pattern is damaging for you, that's very mentally damaging. And then you're going to find ways to move awkwardly around that pattern. So yeah. you're probably going to start to round your back to pick things up or, you know, you're just going to start to do different things that are going to work around squatting that are probably going to cause other issues. Yeah. So instead of saying don't squat, they could say something like, hey, let's stop using weight for your squats right now because you're in pain. Once we get you out of pain, squats are probably still something that you should work on because they help to strengthen all the muscles around your joints. Yeah. Um, they're, they're very functional. They're very applicable to everyday life. Um, but maybe right now we'll back off a little bit. Yeah, and like, so, okay, so for anyone, let's go back to his um, knee problem. Um, when someone presents to us with a knee issue while squatting, what we'll typically do is just tweak their squat form just a little bit, and we'll tell them, okay, as you squat down, instead of letting your knees come forward, which they naturally do during a squat, let's actually keep them back a little bit. And that takes away a lot of just stress off of the knee, a lot of shearing force off of the knee, 
and places it more on the hips. So it becomes more of a hip dominant squat pattern. And for a lot of people, that actually feels totally fine. So they can still squat. It's just a slightly different pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our number one thing. And then if they're still having difficulty there, we could even have them grab a TRX where they're really unloading their knees and really using the TRX as balance while they really shift back their weight. Uh, we might do more single leg exercises like a split squat or a lunge where they can, uh, again, keep that knee stacked over the ankle, uh, which again limits those shearing forces. And if that's still bothering them, then we'll go into more like deadlifting or Romanian deadlifting or stability ball, hamstring curling, things that really target the posterior chain even more without much knee flexion at all. Um, So we're always trying to find alternatives for that person. Yeah, but to say, I mean, it sounds like this person said to stop squatting or any exercises uh, or exercise of any such sort. Like, I... It just seems a little bit extreme, so yeah. that's that's the the route we would take with somebody who presented with knee pain is just what Jason said, and then if they still continue to have knee pain with squatting, we find that to be a problem. Like if your knee hurts with squatting, something's probably going on because you should be able to squat pain free. Yeah, everyone should. It's a natural pattern that you should be able to move through. Um, so then we would definitely refer them out to a professional. If that professional medical professional tells them they should never squat again, we would probably tell them to find a second opinion. <laughs> yeah, definitely get a second opinion. Yeah, anytime you go to see any sort of medical professional, they, they just tell you point blank to not do something. It's like, I think it's time to look for a second opinion on that matter because, yeah, it, and it just puts in people's heads that they're broken or they can't move. And it's just, yeah, it's yeah. just not great for long term health and fitness. And we have so many people who are like, oh, I had a doctor once tell me I could never squat again or I could never deadlift again. And now they do all of those movements pain-free and they are so much stronger because of it and they can do so much more because they're able to do those movements. So, yeah, I mean, it really is. There are going to be doctors out there who are amazing at what they do. There's a reason they're a doctor. They they went through a a ton of schooling. Like, they're, they're good at what they do. They may just not understand the type of exercise that you're doing. They don't get... I mean, even physical therapists who we know that we're close with, that we refer to to people uh, or people to, tell us all the time, like, physical therapists don't get exercise education. Yeah. Like, because they have to worry so much about joint attachments or, like, you know, where muscles attach and how joints are whatever. I mean, all the stuff that we don't really have time to to learn about because we didn't go to school for it. They learn all of that, but they actually come to us for the exercise piece of it Mm -hmm. and say like, Hey, how can we work together um, to make sure that this person stays out of pain? And and I think that's really important. So when you're working with a therapist, a doctor, like ask them if they have fitness professionals who they trust that they work with. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, it might actually be worth finding somebody else who does work with a really good fitness professional. Yeah. Um, having that referral base back and forth is going to be really, really beneficial for all parties involved. Yeah. I mean, we've got such a great network of clinicians in the area that we just bounce people back and forth with just to optimize either the recovery process or just their performance process as well. And it's just yeah. like, a, yeah, it just has to be part of a team environment because no, not one person is good at all things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. So hopefully that helps. I mean, basically, I think what we're kind of saying is, is get a second opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe some of those tweaks in your squatting pattern that Jason explained could also help a little bit, too. All right. Question number three. This is our last question for today. It's from the Kosher Tomato. <laughs> That's a hilarious uh, name. Um, <laughs> so she said, my question has probably been asked already, but I don't think it had been. Um, but what 
is a good way for somebody to constantly come up with workout plans on their own when they can't afford to pay a professional but still want to be motivated to go to the gym. If I don't have a plan in place, I'm less excited about driving a half hour to my gym. So basically, yeah, If and this is a lot of the case for a lot of people. I can't afford a coach or I can't afford to pay for a trainer. How can I still write myself a program that I'm excited about and that I... Yeah, this is this is a little bit difficult because, I mean, there are plenty of coaches out there that don't even really understand how to write a full length yeah, yeah. program, let alone someone who's um, who's a fit- fitness enthusiast and doesn't do it for a living. Um, you know, there's so many people that reach out to us for this. And, you know, really, for me, I would really highly consider just investing um, just one, two or three sessions with a uh, you know, top notch, top notch fitness coach that's going to help you out from a form standpoint um, and give you all the tools to, that you need to succeed on your own, and then probably some sort of online programming route, right? Yeah, I mean, online programming is much more affordable. Um, yeah. that's what I was going to say. I mean, I know that in person coaching is just it's expensive. Um, yeah, it, it can be really tough. So online coaching is usually more affordable. There are um, a lot of people who will put out. Um, programs that are like pre-made programs so they may not be specifically for you but they are good solid yeah. um kind of pre-made or made for you programs that you can go through um that would be a little bit on the cheaper side yeah i mean we've gotten so many questions about this that we are in the beginning stages of coming up with some sort of online programming option for people that reach out to us and just want to um, be coach and have a community around that coaching platform um, and we'll, we'll talk about that more as we get um further along into it yeah. but yeah in yeah, terms of just coming tough. up with your own so i mean i guess if we're gonna give a general guideline for coming up with yeah. writing your okay. own program um we would start by breaking it down into movement patterns mm-hmm. um so a lot of people will break a lot of things you'll see maybe in magazines will break things up into body parts like back and buys and triceps and mm-hmm. shoulders and that kind of stuff instead of breaking it up that way we would break it up into the main movement patterns so this is a squat a hinge, a pushing pattern where you're pushing something away from you, like a bench press or a push-up, um, a pulling pattern where you're pulling something f- toward you, like a TRX row or a dumbbell row, um, a lunging pattern, a single leg pattern of some sort, so uh, like a single leg deadlift or a step up, mm-hmm. um, and then a cool. core exercise. Um, and so those are, that could be your base Mm -hmm. that can be like, okay, I have to hit one exercise in all of these things. And if you do three workouts a week and you hit, you find one exercise in each of those categories and that's your workout for the week, that would be great. Yeah. Right. That would be great. So for example, just a quick example of a a workout that would fit all of that. You would go goblet squat. Mm -hmm. You would go, what did I say? Next push. No, I no, said uh, hinge. Hinge. Goblet squat, not necessarily in this order. Goblet squat, kettlebell deadlift, push up, uh, dumbbell row, a, lunge, a reverse lunge, and a plank. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Perfect. That's a, and you can break that up into two different circuits of three exercises mm-hmm. and do three rounds of each one, maybe anywhere from like the eight to 12 rep range for each exercise, and you've got yourself a great program. Yeah. I think uh, Mike Boyle said, do something for your legs, push, pull, and use your core. <laughs> and like <laughs> really simplified, really simplified it that way. So, yeah. you know, that's a, that's, that's a good way to put that as well. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, that will last you a decent while. And then yeah. basically 
where the programming aspect comes into play is like manipulating the sets and reps so that you continue to get progress after that initial exactly. bout of um uh bout of progress i guess yeah um and that's i guess where like kind of like the art of program comes into play so um but yeah that's that's definitely where we would start yeah that's if you're if you're completely on your own you really you can't even afford a like online program anything like that which we understand that definitely can be the case for a lot of people um that is hopefully something that could help you out and just kind of get you started on writing your own program and you can pretty much look up on even our instagram account like we have squatting patterns on there we have hinging patterns on there you can pretty much look up exercises for each of those patterns that we just talked about um and put together a program based off that yeah yeah really as long as you don't have pain like literally any exercise is going to help out (laughs) as long as it's mapped out within those patterns yeah cool all right that's all the questions we have is that it okay yeah cool awesome all right do we have anything else to talk about um i don't think so I don't think so. Yeah. I think I'm supposed to just say that about wraps it up for today. <laughs> oh, actually, I just wanted to give a quick thank you to Maxine LG, who I think is actually coming that's in tonight. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. Maxine. Uh, Coach K and Britt Belferman for leaving awesome reviews. Actually, super, super thoughtful reviews. So Aww. thank you all so much for those. And that wraps it up for today. So until next time. Peace. Love and, and muscles. muscles.